the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Hi there, and welcome to the program. Good to have you on board there this evening. It is the uh, Truth For Today edition of Lifeline Tonight, featuring Pastor Phil Howard, who is joining us. And, uh, you know, we have a special edition of Lifeline going on tonight. Uh, as always, you're more than welcome to join the conversation at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. But, you know, as I was driving here to uh, our studios, uh, we are in Hercules this evening at the church. I couldn't help but notice, it's always hard to not notice the traffic that gets out of town on a Friday night, but it's a unique Friday get-out-of-town traffic, because it's uh, get-out-of-town traffic that is uh, bent on celebrating Memorial Day, and that's this weekend, and uh, as I was driving in, I couldn't help but wonder how many of you who are trying to get out of the city to enjoy an extra day of weekend really understand just exactly what that extra day of weekend is all about why do you get this extra day what does it really mean and so this evening here on lifeline pastor phil howard and company would like to spend some time talking uh, with a veteran uh, here in the studio this evening and we want to talk about memorial day the sacrifices that are that, that have been made are being made and then the ultimate sacrifice and we would invite you to stick around i mean you know what else are you going to do at two miles an hour while you're trying to fight everybody else to get out of town right so we're <laughs> glad you've joined us phil it is um it's a treat brother you 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 get to spend an awful lot of time with grandkids these days. So to have you here behind the mic, and you and I, it's a, it's a joy, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's a joy uh, to be able to celebrate uh, this time. Uh, I had many uncles in World War II, and uh, but tonight we have uh, one of our, uh, our, our producer, really, uh, Chuck Laudibaudier. I uh, remember when their boy... Uh, Left. He grew up in this church. I was in our youth group, became a Christian here. And I remember when he went into the military and in Iraq when that place was jumping. And uh, uh, we, we were hoping he would come back. And by the grace of God, he did. And uh, he came back whole, his mind functional. But we've had others. We've had others that are still battling what they saw. How could I ever be the same? And uh, uh, Dad recommended to me, and I thought it was wonderful, we ought to have a vet that fought there for six years 
who made it home by the grace of God, who's a wonderful Christian husband and father, uh, share his story, uh, how he made it through, and he saw plenty of combat. And you know what? It's really, when you think about it, uh, we're so, uh, it doesn't seem right to be on the carnival princes, uh, an extra night to dance when the holidays about men that never came home. Yeah. You know, uh, to get the timing of our events, it's really a time of mourning, weeping, and rejoicing. If you were the mom that said goodbye to a boy, uh, as many of my people remember, because of World War II, so many didn't come home. Uh, I think of the uh, Memorial Day. I looked up where it came from, and it was said to be started in Charleston, South Carolina, by former slaves who wanted to show tribute and respect and memory for those who died to set them free. Mm. And uh, then, as things went along, uh, they made a law, federal law, Let's celebrate this. But these thankful, uh, released slaves said, somebody died to get me here. Mm-hmm. Somebody paid the price. And uh, uh, I must say, uh, as a white man, I'm glad it wasn't just blacks that died. White men died because they knew it was wrong. Abolitionists said it's wrong. And they, and they paid for it with their life. Well, you know, and that's the thing is, is, is so many of our listeners are driving out of town or trying to get out of town for this three-day weekend. It is for the sacrifice of, of men like Tim that we're going to speak to here in just a moment and, and countless others who have allowed for those kind of freedoms to get in your car and simply drive out of town. Do you realize how many other countries you cannot do that? Yes. You just can't. Either the gas prices are too high, you've got so many other things that could go wrong, and at least here in the States, there has been a lot of sacrifice. And as we're going to find out tonight, the ultimate sacrifice is what Memorial Day is all about. But there are so many other sacrifices that you can still sacrifice these things, come home alive, but, you know, uh, as the old, old, old movie line went, at what price salvation now? Mm. Sometimes Mm. the cost uh, can be almost as high as that ultimate sacrifice. Well, and what's amazing is that uh, even Tim's career afterwards has been spent to... uh, put his life on the line uh, to protect liberty, to protect people. So it's God is calling for a lifetime of uh, being willing to sacrifice himself to protect others. It's an, you know what? It ought to be the, the life of every believer. Mm. I'll stretch my life to tell you about eternal life because I believe you're in the process of perishing. And I might be the last, the last obstacle between you and eternity. Mm. And I like to be the one that told you how to get to the city. And that is exactly what this program is going to be all about this evening here on Lifeline. Um, we are going to celebrate Memorial Day for what it really is. And at the same time, hopefully leave you... Uh, a, a sense of the real understanding of the illustration that this all provides spiritually as well. 
I mean, if we're going to follow in, in John Bunyan's footsteps, then, uh, you know, we can find an illustration in, in just about anything in life as it relates to the gospel, and certainly this one. This one's in shallow dirt. We don't have to really dig for this one at all. No. So we're, I tell you what, we've got two minutes before we have to go to break. So why don't you introduce Tim Proper? And we'll say hi to Tim, get the, the introductions out of the way, take our break, and come back and dive deep, as they say. Let me uh, give you a little brief uh, bio uh, on Tim. Tim uh, graduated uh, in 2004, enlisted in the Army in 2005. His first Iraq deployment was uh, uh, August of 2006. He made the rank of sergeant. Uh, He will describe some of the dear friends that he lost. Uh, he ended deployment in uh, December of 2007. His second Iraq deployment was 2009. Uh, uh, he made another rank. I don't even know what SSG stands for. Staff Sergeant. Staff Sergeant. I uh, came back in 2010 and completed his active duty. Graduated from San Francisco State. Uh, in June of 2014, uh, now serves in law enforcement, married, has two children and one on order, <laughs> and uh, uh, and serves uh, faithfully in this church, and uh, it goes on and on. You know, uh, you, you read that list off and you give dates, and the one thing that really strikes me is, Chuck is a whole lot older than I thought he was. <laughs> it's just, my baby. <laughs> and he's your baby. Yeah. Oh, now you're really old, pal. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. 17 years out of high school. Man. So, um, and then you're now you're in current law enforcement. So out of the fire into the frying pan. <laughs> or out of the frying pan into the fire, as they say, I tell you. All right. Well, there you go. Table has been set. We'll take a time out, go check some traffic, pay some bills, come back and dive deep into our conversation as we celebrate Memorial Day here on Lifeline on KFAX. Right now, we're off to the KFAX Traffic Center where Mr. Michael Bennett is patiently standing by, waving at you with his thumb in his ears to give you the latest on traffic from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is the uh, Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, fourth Friday of the month. And it is a special Truth For Today edition because it is Memorial Day weekend that we are celebrating. And we wanted to spend some time honoring those who have fallen, paid the ultimate price, because that's what this day is all about. And also looking at it as an illustration, a spiritual illustration and closing out our program tonight with the one who paid the ultimate price for the ultimate reason. And we'll get there. Right now, Tim Ladabadir joins us. He was, uh, as, as Pastor Phil mentioned just a moment ago, in the, uh, in the Army. You're in the Army now. And you escaped sanely. But there's a story to tell. And I'm hoping you touch base on it because as, uh, as a squid myself out of the early 70s, uh, Vietnam vet and all that. Um, 
it is a of all vocations and of all uh, jobs, I guess, that you could come up with and job sites. I cannot imagine anything harder than the military to be a Christian. Safe to say? Uh, certainly safe to say. I think as much as it is a, a, a hard place to be a Christian, being a Christian um, gives you that shield, uh, that hedge of protection. True. And, and more than just your physical safety, yeah. uh, your spiritual safety, your mental safety. It does. You, you, you have so many things fighting against you and your longing for righteousness, your desire to do what is right, and your willingness to stand up for the helpless. And I, I, I know firsthand, you, you're, you're asked to do things that you think compromise your relationship with Christ. And uh, there are things demanded of you that can be hard at times as a believer. But you do have a story to tell. Let's let's jump right into that story. To, uh, walk us through this call in your life to uh, to join the military, and how God has used it over the years. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you first of all for having me, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to share on behalf of those that that I know who were lost in service. And I just want to right off the top, uh, like we talked about, Memorial Day is is about remembering those who gave their life. And uh, the two people that I served with closely um, that lost their lives in service was Brandon Smitherman uh, from Conroe, Texas. He died on October 31st, 2007, at the age of 21. He was killed in Mosul, Iraq, um, as a result of a roadside bomb uh, exploding underneath his vehicle. Uh, and in the same vehicle, Captain Timothy McGovern um, died the same day, October 31st, 2007. He was 28 years old at the time. He was our company commander. And Brandon was our company commander's driver, and uh, so I just want to—I want to remember them. Uh, I think that's—that's that's one of the main things that I'm here for is to honor them for their sacrifice uh, in multiple ways. But but to answer your question, uh, how I ended up in the service, I graduated high school in 2004 and had no idea what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to be a bum. I uh, I wanted to do something noble, something that I could uh, feel feel proud of. And uh, that led me towards the military. Uh, like I said, um, in January of 2005, I joined the Army and uh, went through basic training. And it was a culture shock right away. Uh, I had grown up here at, at uh, Valley Bible Church and um, really wasn't exposed to much of the real world uh, outside of this. And so it was, a, it was a culture shock. I remember my mom tells me a story of a, a letter, probably the first letter I sent home, uh, laying out how things were so much different than what I had expected and being curious as to whether I was where I was supposed to be. Um, but uh, but God kept me and be, because it was where I was supposed to be. Um, the process of getting in the uh, military for me was not flippant. It was not um, something that I took lightly. I did some research. I talked to some people that I trusted, some men in this church who uh, I thought were wise and uh I laid my concerns before them, and I and I requested wisdom from them, and they prayed over me, and they gave me advice, and I believed when I left to go join the army that that was what God wanted from me at that time, and I think that that was one of the main things that helped me over that first hurdle of the culture shock. Of, mm-hmm, right. These guys didn't go to my youth group. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> 
No, the, most of the guys I knew never went to youth group either. No, they didn't. <laughs> that's a very kind way of putting it. I think <laughs> if you don't mind, that's a keeper. I'll keep that one. You're welcome to it. And and as 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 you walk through this road, you believe God has you on. Looking back, what would you say would be a couple of key things, key reasons? that uh, that you believe God had you there. Well, okay, so God had a reason. Have you been able to look back and figure out what that reason was? Well, I think one of the main reasons is, um, besides my personal reasons, this country needed someone to fight for it. Uh, and I believe that that was something that was honorable to do. I think that fighting for good, doing things that are righteous, are things that God wants us to be doing. And, and for me, it wasn't a matter of whether... Uh, the war was righteous, whether what we were there for was righteous or not. The idea of being willing to lay down your life for your brother, for their safety, uh, is what was the righteous cause that got me there. And I had a lieutenant uh, that told me before our first tour, he said, for me, um, what I, the thought that I have is that while we're over there fighting, we're not over here fighting. And so my loved ones here in California are safe because I'm fighting in Iraq. Because if we're not fighting them in Iraq, we'll be fighting them here in America. And so... Um, that was kind of the the big picture as far as why God had me there. And there were many other um, things along the way. For me personally, growth and maturity, uh, obstacles that I had to uh, to face head on and, and trust God for and and failing, uh, frankly, to uh, to become who he wanted me to be when I got home. I, I found in the military, the first thing they do, and, and this is in boot camp, is to strip you of self because you're a unit. That's right. You work as one. In in a macabre way, that kind of helps you in your sanctification, doesn't it? And your selflessness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for, for a believer, and I, I think it's, it's a conversation my father and I have had. One of the things that is good from the military is this uh, putting away of self. Uh, for the good of others and being willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission and uh, it's a it's a noble quality that it's hard to come by any other way the warrior creed yeah yeah, yeah my, my father said the warrior creed yeah yeah are there any stories that uh, that come to mind obviously you've got the big the big picture of why you think God brought you into the the army Um any stories along the way how God used you with some of the men you worked with, some of the things you did? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, some of the the stories tie into some of the friendships that came out of it. I have a friend, uh, <laughs> Brian Godin. We joined the military on the same day. We went to the same boot camp. We uh, graduated on the same day. We went to the same duty station, got promoted on the same day over and over again. Um, and we have remained lifelong friends. And he, uh, from the beginning, uh, he's, he's from Massachusetts, so obviously the complete other side of the country. Uh, <laughs> right. So we had some things that were not in common. Similar opposites. Um, but, but God used the military to bind us together. And I, I've been out of the military for over 10 years, and I, I still talk to him regularly. Uh, I hope to be seeing him this November um, as we have a bit of a, a – a memorial that we'll be planning for for our our loved ones, um, but yeah, lifelong friendships like that. And uh, when I met him, he was for sure an atheist. Uh, 
and he is softened that position to acknowledging there is a God. You know, so now uh, he's gone from atheist to agnostic. Sure, yeah. sure. That's probably the, the <laughs> cleanest way to put that. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm thankful for every opportunity I have to, uh, to be an example to him. And when I have the opportunities to, to pour into his life truth. And, uh, and I think that's one of the, if, not, if for nothing else, uh, that was worthwhile. Yeah. Did you meet anybody over there that was a Christian that could uh, encourage you, a chaplain or a fellow Christian? What encouraged you besides mom's letters, maybe? Uh, actually, that was one of the things that I think God put me there for was to show me that he was enough. Uh, I did not find another Christian for years uh, in the Army, and and it, and it, played, a, it, played, a, it, it played a toll on me. Um, I was um, the sheep that was out in the pasture, and I was not secure, and uh, I was getting beat up uh, day in and day out, and I didn't know what to do with that. I remember very vividly um, before my first tour knowing that I was broken and in sin and lost and wondering if God could still hear me, Um, and I remember calling my father. I was sitting on the back of the barracks building in the dirt. Uh, crying out to God and crying and uh, and God put my father on my heart and said you should call him <laughs> and I did and uh, and situations like that where I may not if I had gone a different route I may not have so clearly seen myself as as sinful as I am and as lost as I am as as in need of a savior as I was um, I was saved but but didn't really have a grasp. Like I said, growing up in, in a Christian household, um, being sheltered from the world, you don't really know what's out there until you're out there in it. And so I think that was uh, one of the things that God had me out there for was to show me that he was enough. And, and through the those who could throw out the, uh, the lifelines here and there, the rescue floaties, as I was struggling to keep my head above water. <laughs> oh, the, the lifelines that God will give us now and then. We're going to take a quick time out. We're listening to uh, Tim Laudabadir here this evening on uh, our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. If you want to join the conversation, you're more than welcome. Triple eight F O R K F A X. It is our Memorial Day edition. We're going to take a brief time out and check your traffic. Mr. Michael Bennett is over there watching the linoleum curl in his kitchen. He's going to take a quick time out and let you know just exactly what's going on with your traffic from the KFAX. Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard and our guest tonight, Tim Ladabadir. We are celebrating um, Memorial Day and the ultimate sacrifice that has been paid by so many. But along with that ultimate sacrifice, there are other sacrifices that are being paid by those who do end up fortunate enough to come home. And that's kind of where we're uh, spending some time with with Tim here this evening. Um, in spite of all those sacrifices, and and you spoke of I think the the huge one. Um, while God is sufficient and our Savior is more than sufficient, uh, even when we find ourselves in those alone times, um, it is still a, a sacrifice that we pay, isn't it? It certainly can be, and, and when we're not when we're not plugged into the vine, <laughs> the sacrifice feels it's more than you can bear. Um, but but one of the things that God did 
through my time in the service for me was to keep me plugged in and he taught me that early uh i i definitely developed a uh much more love for the scripture than i had before i had left uh to go to the service uh and i think that was another one of the things that god had for me in my time uh out in the far country as it were I and and here's something else, and Phil, I'll let you address this a little bit more as well. The one thing over the years, over the last couple of decades, believe it or not, well, no, eh, what, uh, 2011, oh, 10 years, 11 to 21, yeah, 10 years. We've been doing this for 10 years, Phil. Um, the one thing I know of Valley Bible is this is a church that prays and knows how to pray. I can only imagine the sustaining grace that kept you over there was due in part through the prayers of a righteous father sitting here next Indeed. to me yeah. and a church that was committed to you. Yes, yes they were. Absolutely. It, it's it's wonderful to have that support. Uh, and I, I always felt it from Valley. Um, whenever I did have the opportunity to come home, I was welcomed home uh, with loving arms, with gifts. Uh, people were good to me. I got to see the 49ers play quite a few times on someone else's dime uh, because people wanted to be good to the, to their service members and to be yeah. good to the members of the body yeah. and uh, other things of that nature that, uh, that like you said, a, a loving body can provide uh, a hurting individual. And, and to be clear, and you can address this, Phil, it, it's not that prayer works. It's that as humble men and women seek a God who is desirous, eager, and able to answer requests, he's the one who works, isn't he? Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you you know, quoting the Psalms, that horses and chariots don't win. Uh, if God doesn't direct the campaign, uh, we fight in vain. I want to ask Timothy a practical thing. If he could just give me some practical applications if you were teaching this verse suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus names a few things that are part of the suffering that to be a good soldier how can we derive any because I think uh, American Christianity can be awfully soft uh you know, we can watch enough TV on Sunday not to attend church because we got all these top-notch communicators uh, and uh, a lot of passive Christianity, I see. Uh, mm. I heard this sermon, and so we're critiquing preachers all the time. You think the church would die if the preachers died <laughs> and that we'd probably have a revival. Uh, they did in t- China. Uh, I heard Howard Hendricks say, that when they incarcerated the uh, pastors of China, when communists took over, 10 years later, the church had multiplied. And so he said the key to revival is lock up all the preachers. <laughs> and so uh, suffering as a good soldier, give me some applications of what that looks like. It's it's funny you, you mentioned that. I, I just saw um, this post on Instagram maybe about a week ago. Uh, and it says, embrace the suck. Anybody out there as a veteran is going to be familiar with the term. It's military slang. It says, to consciously accept or appreciate something that is extremely unpleasant but unavoidable for forward progression. And I think that is probably uh, 
a good way to use or a good way to look at it when you think about things that are unpleasant, suffering, um, but to to endure it because you know that it's about forward progression. And you spoke about um, <laughs> why things got better when when communism took over. It was the perseverance is what made the church get better. It wasn't the lack of the preachers. We just when things are good, we don't have any reason to persevere. We have nothing to put our our faith to the test. And so sometimes that's what exactly what the body needs. It was what I needed when I went off to the army. And I think that's um, that's one of the ways that we can apply that scripture to real life. Oh, good, good. The value of the desert. <laughs> Paul yeah. knew it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and, metaphorically and, and literally, and literally, quite yeah. literally for you, you know. <laughs> well, I remember my dad used to drill this into me. It was kind of a um, whining cure if you were whining <laughs> or whatever. And uh, to take that down for my kids. What's that? What's that? Uh, that's Second Timothy two three. <laughs> Endure hardness as a good soldier. Suffer hardship, and uh, he used to say, you know. Uh, because of World War One and Two, he said, "Boys sleep in foxholes all night, with water and rats, and with uh, dying men around them, and they don't get gripe rights." <laughs> they uh, and he and he would boy, the murmuring that could go on in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, music was too loud. Temperature wasn't just right. And no one spoke to me in the lobby. Oh, my lands. I thought we were in the train of the martyrs. I thought we had a faith you'd die for. And cut the whining out. It cost Israel as many people being killed as fornication. In 1 Corinthians 10, he slew them as much over murmuring as immorality. And... uh, God help us as saints. You know, we talk about how tough our day is, and I hear more people saying Jesus is coming. Yes, he's been coming for about 1,900 years. Coming soon. He's coming soon. Any moment. I believe it. Uh, But let's stop our whining in the meantime, and let's endure hardness as a good soldier. I don't like that anymore at my age i'm looking for more comfort and try to you know uh where could we warm my coffee don't let it get cold uh and but what a deal that paul telling this young pastor at ephesus while he's himself is in prison and uh, there was no air conditioning in the Mamertine prison he was subterranean uh, uh the latrine ran through the prison there was uh, no heat, no food. Only brothers and sisters fed Paul. Rome would not feed a prisoner. And he's writing this. Endure it. It's worth the battle. And you see, the key to this, Phil, is, the, and, and you can attest to this, Tim, this passage is not a short game passage. It is an extreme long game passage. That's right. Paul can write this because of the long game that he has played over the years for the gospel. He gets to the end, and it's easy for him to write it. But you see, mm-hmm. most of us, we have we have McDonald's theology, man. It's I, I need it. I need it now. And yeah. if it doesn't work now, then I'm going to move on to the, to the Look next. Look for another church. I'm going to go to the next drive-through exactly exactly uh we don't want to we don't have the patience for that kind of a verse anymore these days and he says in chapter four everybody in asia's already left me but the lord stood with me Mm. uh 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Another You're like quick t- a Twinkie when I read these verses. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We get bent out of shape when our battery dies in the car. Oh, my goodness. We're being persecuted. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick time out, and uh, we're going to let uh, Michael Bennett talk to us about the persecution you're experiencing right now as you try and get out of town. Oh, dear. Oh, dear me. Okay, and we'll pay some bills as well. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard and our guest tonight, Tim Latavadir. I'm Andy Froyland, and you know who you are. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back. It's uh, Pastor Phil Howard on our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, our Memorial Day special edition. Uh, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X 888-367-5329 if you would like to join the conversation. Pastor Phil, uh, back to you as we're sitting here talking with uh, Tim Larabadir and uh, the ultimate sacrifice that we celebrate on Memorial Day. I was curious uh, thinking about Tim because I know other young men that have been associated with our church, dear men, uh, that have had great struggles in coming back and adjusting, and uh, they saw things that were have been a nightmare to them ever since. Uh, and I, I wondered, Tim, what was it that uh, has helped you? Because it seemed like you've uh, transitioned into civilian life, and we, we've never seen any big hangover, as it were, from the conflict. Of course, we haven't lived with you. We're not mom and dad. Uh, what helped you when you came back to remain stable, let's say, in your emotional life and mental life? Well, I think to, to set the table for that, uh, I had to talk about what uh, what causes people to not do well. And uh, for me, uh, it was October 31st, 2007, uh, the day that Brandon Smitherman and, and Timothy McGovern died. Uh, and specifically, what made that um, what made that weigh on my mind so much was that literally that day it was them instead of me. Um, our company commander Timothy, Timothy McGovern did not go on every mission with us. Uh, he went out often, and is one of the reasons why he was a good leader. You're willing to follow somebody that's willing to be out there with you. Uh, but as the company commander, he had lots of responsibilities, so he wasn't on every mission. But he was on that mission that day, and that was my platoon, second platoon. It was our day to go out and uh, and conduct route clearance, driving around the roads in Iraq looking for roadside bombs. And uh, for that particular day, um, he was number three in the stack, uh, his vehicle. Um, typically, that would be my position. I was number three in the stack. And so uh, we're conducting our route clearance, driving down the road, and uh, and we get attacked. And, and so we're getting attacked, and um, we have... Uh, RPG, rocket, rocket propelled grenade, uh, launched at a, some small arms fire, um, machine gun stuff. And uh, we're taking fire from the left. And um, that was the responsibility of the number three vehicle was the left side. So the number three vehicle responded to the fire um, the way that we would have done it if it was us. Uh, made a hard left, drove right into it, uh, started firing our guns or started firing their guns. Um, and... You know, the enemy was prepared that day, and, you know, I I can respect my enemy who has good strategy, and they, they outplayed us that day. Uh, they had a huge roadside bomb, roadside, it was right in the middle of the road, underneath the road, uh, between where we were 
and where they were. And so as Captain McGovern, Brandon Smitherin was the driver. So he he was the one that put it in action, took the hard left, started driving into the fire. Um, McGovern, the commander, and my buddy, Brian Godin, was the gunner in that vehicle. Um, and so they're driving towards the fire, and they're returning fire. And, I don't know, 50, 75 yards off the side of the, the convoy, um, they drive over a huge bomb. Um, I have not seen a bigger bomb than what happened that day. Uh, so we're in Bradley fighting vehicles. They're, I want to say they're like 30 tons without armor and, and whatnot. Um, it was launched into the air. Uh, it was launched into the air easily 15 to 20 feet into the air and flipping over, separated the turret from the hull. Um, and, uh, and, um, and that, that was, that was the end of that vehicle. Um, inside the vehicle, um, Brandon Smitherman died. Timothy McGovern died. Um, and, uh, Brian Godin survived. Um, Brian Godin survived because, um, Timothy McGovern was a stickler for the rules. And as the gunner, you're supposed to have your hatch closed. So he didn't get ejected and crushed. Um, Timothy McGovern didn't have his hatch closed because as a commander, you're supposed to have your head out there. So he was not as fortunate. Um, and for Smitherman, the bomb was right underneath him, completely penetrated the vehicle, and uh, and that was it for him. Um, and so, um, so they died. They died right there on the spot. Um, and... You know, we did we did what needed to be done. We we took care of the threat, and then we we, we rallied around our guys, and we extracted um, Godin and uh, and what was left of McGovern, and we couldn't get some other men out, and uh, and then we went back to uh, to the base, and uh, I remember I remember um, we got Godin to the facility. He had no idea what was going on. He asked me a dozen times, what happened? What happened? Where's Captain? What happened? Where's Brandon? He just couldn't. His mind was, was mush because this explosion was so big. And he couldn't he couldn't wrap his mind around it. Um, we get McGovern into the medical bay, and there was nothing to be done for him. Um, and then I, I took my vehicle, and I went right back out there. We still had guys out there. So we go back out, um, and at that point, we're kind of just providing security as they uh, right the vehicle, flip it back over so we can get to Smitherman and uh, rescue his body from the vehicle. And uh, that was uh, October 31st, 2007. And that's the stuff that uh, that we need help recovering from when we come home. Mm-hmm. That's what Memorial Day is about. We're remembering the sacrifices. I was saved that day because God, for whatever reason, had Captain McGovern's vehicle out on patrol and number three in the stack. And if it wasn't for them, that would have been our vehicle. And I was the uh, lieutenant's gunner, and the lieutenant wasn't as much a stickler for the rules, and it's hot in Iraq. And so he let me keep my hatch open. So if it had been us... My driver, my my commander, and I would have all died, because um, I would have suffered the same fate as as, uh, as the vehicle commander being ejected. Um, so I know that because they were there, 
I, I survived. And, uh, and so that's the kind of stuff that, that you ask, you know, how did I transition? Well, how did God protect me? Well, first we have to know what he was protecting me from. Um, and that was what God protected me from physically in that moment. And then coming back, dealing with the ramifications of why not me? Why them that day? Um, I think of Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Jehovah who trusts in the Lord. Uh, we are all dispensable. We are all, you know, Stonewall Jackson, they say he was such a predestinarian, strong Presbyterian sovereignty of God man that he was invincible in battle because he said, I'm immortal until God's through with me. <laughs> and so that, Amen. that guarded him and, and he was just, he, he was courageous. And of course, in friendly fire, his own man killed him. There was so much gunpowder and smoke in those days that his own man didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but he, he said, I'll be alive until God is through with me. And I think that's sobering to me. I'm I'm only alive on assignment. And that's why he spared you. He wasn't he had something more he wants to do with you and right. he's doing that. That's right. Hmm. And I think that perspective uh is one of the th- uh is one of the things that can help uh believers particularly and strong believers uh deal with situations like that, understanding that we are only here at his will, uh and that at any moment it can be over and for any reason. Uh, we can be as prepared for battle as you can be, and it won't be enough if that's what God has in, in his will. All right, guys, quick time out. We'll go check traffic, pay some bills. You're listening to Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard and Tim Latabadir here on our special edition of Lifeline with Truth For Today and a Memorial Day service. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center. Look at your traffic. <laughs> 